So the question is, what is in your pack? So as we guide, we have to carry more stuff. That's just part of our role as a guide. And, you know, depending on what type of guiding you're doing, you know, are you ski guiding? Are you rock guiding? Is it single pitch rock guiding? Is it multi-pitch rock guiding? Are you ice guiding? Are you doing some general mountaineering? You know, what you may carry in your pack will change. Um, there will be some kind of baseline stuff that you should always have. But, I mean, we do have a responsibility to be able to handle, I'd like to say almost every situation that arises, and we can't handle every single one, but we should be prepared for most of the major ones. Um, so what actually happens is our packs get kind of heavy. So we have to kind of pick and choose what are the most appropriate tools for us to carry for the given terrain and, and numbers of clients that we're going to be in and would kind of the most likely events to happen um, on that trip. So, you know, I think one thing that you should always have is a first aid kit, right? That's just standard of practice. If you're out guiding, you have a first aid kit in your pack. But even that can be highly variable. So if you're going out for a day of top roping versus a week-long or two-week-long mountaineering trip or ski trip where you're not going to be coming back to a home base at night, maybe you're in the backcountry going hut to hut, um, or you're really in the backcountry and you're, and you're camping, your first aid kit can be pretty significantly different. So, you know, I like to think about whatever type of guiding I'm doing, what might be the major accidents that happen, and I kind of steer my first aid kit towards that. So, you know, I think with most guiding accidents, I think about trauma, right? So rock climbing, ice climbing, skiing, you know, some sort of trauma, you know, rock fall, ice fall. With with skiing, it's a little bit more like, well, if you're caught in an avalanche, you can have trauma from that, but it could be like knee injuries, um, thumb dislocations, th that kind of trauma from just skiing um, in maybe variable snow. But you need to make sure you have the stuff in your pack that can handle that in your first aid kit. So that means lots of stuff to absorb blood, lots of gauze and tape, to tape gauze on, maybe some quick clotting agents um, and, and pads, um, some gloves, lots of gloves, right? Um, heavy duty gloves, even a pair of dish gloves can be pretty heavy, are heavy duty, and it's kind of worth having your pack because you won't burn through them as readily. But you know, you'll burn through gloves like nobody's business um, as you're trying to deal with somebody if they're really bloody um, by having them tear or whatever the, the scenario is as you're trying to get through stuff. So I think about my first aid kit in general has a lot of kind of trauma, blood <laughs> soaking up materials in it. Um, maxi pads, another great way to absorb some blood, you know, kind of low tech versus kind of the more um, high tech kind of blood clotting stuff. Um, and then once again, lots of little incidental things like band-aids and like a tape, you know, um, things for blisters, and that, that can be even for a day of rock climbing. Some people who are new to rock climbing shoes, and if they're using rental shoes, may get a little blister on the back of their heels, so maybe some stuff there. And there's a lot of different types of tapes that work for that, some better than others. Um, so I think about that. You know, I think about kind of basic um, pain management, you know, so really basic. You know, I'm just a woofer, so there's only so much stuff I can have. So, you know, ibuprofen, um, Tylenol. Um, aspirin, you know, because sometimes people are allergic to one or the other. So having that on board, um, some Benadryl, right? So that's that's important year round, right? So Benadryl is great for that block. It's an antihistamine. So if people are having an allergic reaction, right, you need to block that histamine release. 
So that could be from a bee sting. That could be from a plant. That could be from food. So if you're doing a longer trip where you're cooking, understanding what people's food allergies are really important. Um, and certainly the further you are away from help, the more that's going to be important. So that is really important. And then to couple with that would be epinephrine. So even in the wintertime, I carry epinephrine, um, usually on my body. Um, so that way it doesn't freeze. Even though I, I've had epinephrine out in 20 below weather and it didn't freeze. So I don't know what they put in there, but uh, it didn't freeze. Um, in, I use um, ampules and syringes, so maybe it would be more of an issue with an um, EpiPen. So, but you know, that's kind of the one-two punch, right? If someone's going into anaphylactic shock, you need the epinephrine, but you also need the Benadryl to help calm down the histamine release, right? So those are things I have a lot of um, in my pack, you know, more often than anything else. I also have these really lightweight um, straps with buckles on them. Like they're really tiny, really small. Uh, I can't remember the name of the, I think it's Sea to Summit that makes these little straps. So, you know, I can rig up impromptu slings. You know, for someone who has a broken collarbone or broken arm, I could make a loom splint out of them. You know, the whole thing about use what you have, you can cut your cordlets up and cut your rope up and cut the straps off your pack to make improvised stuff. Sure, but you may want that stuff for other things, like part of your rest of your rescue. So the more I can not cut up the things that I have that are intact, the better. And these things, I literally have this little, these straps, I have four straps, two of the straps are three feet long, two of the straps are four feet long, and all of them balled up together is smaller than a baseball and really, really light. Um, and it fits really well in my first aid kit. So it's kind of like a no-brainer to have this. So I can use that to kind of create some splinting materials um, in the backcountry. So I'll, that stuff's all pretty standard for me. Um, if I'm doing more ski touring especially or anything where we're approaching and, or longer hiking, uh, mountaineering trips, I'm going to have a lot of blister care. So I'm going to have the impromptu smaller kit that out in the field and i'm going to have the bigger kit for back at the base camp where i can really kind of work on blisters really patch things up now to tell you the truth preventative care is key here so you know you might just want to tape people's heels up before you go on a ski tour you know maybe if they're in new boots or they haven't done much ski touring just tape their heels up before you even leave and then that will save you a whole lot of hassle down the road if they get blisters. Because once people get blisters, it's a big deal. Um, it may ruin their trip. They may not be able to do what they want to do. They can get infected. Um, all kinds of bad things with blisters. They take a lot of materials out of your, of your kit to maintain you know, those blisters in a, in a state that's not going to worsen. So you use up a lot of your materials there. So don't get blisters. Try really hard for your clients not to get blisters. Be really diligent about that. And that will save you in the long run. Um, and then ultimately, have, everybody will have a better trip. So, so first aid kit is really key there. Once again, if you are going out with, you know, a lot of people who are older, you know, you might, you know, really think about that aspirin piece. So if they have a heart attack, you know, you have aspirin that you can give to them, right? And that will help them if they're having a heart attack. Um, if you're a paramedic, you might be able to bring all kinds of extra stuff specific towards certain physical fitnesses and um, age demographics, right? So you kind of have to know your clients a little bit when you're dealing about first aid kit. But you need to have something substantial. These little teeny first aid kits I see guides carry that have essentially like one pair of gloves, a little bit of tape, one piece of gauze, and, one, and a couple of Band-Aids, that's not going to cut it, right? When, something, when someone's bleeding, if they really get banged up, there can be a lot of blood, um, even if it's lots of just small lacerations. That takes a lot of materials to manage that. I also bring some extra Ziploc bags as biohazard bags. It's one way you can do that. Um, you know, I'm going to have a pen. 
I'm going to have something to write with so I can make notes. You know, I have a little teeny um, headlamp in my first aid kit, one of those little Petzl ones, those little tiny ones. You know, I'm going to have that kind of stuff in my first aid kit. I'm going to have trauma shears. I'm going to have, you know, some small scissors and nail cu- you know, clippers so you can kind of do some more cosmetic stuff. So if someone's having problems with their toes, maybe just trim their toenails. Um, or if you need to cut off a harness, you've got trauma shears. You know, so you kind of need to have a real first aid kit, right? And if you're going out longer and longer, more and more remote places, you may want to have like a little dental kit, right? You may need to have just more materials in general, some antibiotic cream ointment. Um, you may want to have a little um, um, hydrocortisone cream for if someone gets a rash, you know. Um, you may want to just carry more things in general because you'll use them up a lot more quickly. So something really worth thinking about. The other thing is, you know, when I multi-pitch climb, if it's not a big multi-pitch, maybe a couple hundred feet, maybe up to three or 400 feet, I actually have this great chalk bag. It's actually a Mamut chalk bag called a multi-pitch chalk bag. And it, it's big enough to hold a lot of chalk, but it's also big enough to hold a small trauma kit. So I've got epinephrine in there. I've got gloves. I've got tape. I've got, you know, a lot of gauze. Um, I actually have some little, like, powdered wound... Um, clotting kits in there so um i actually have a pretty reasonable little um kit in there some of those straps i mentioned earlier um that i can take so i don't necessarily have to take the whole backpack for short multi-pitch routes if it's longer multi-pitch routes i'm going to take a smaller backpack and then maybe have a first aid kit that's maybe augments the one that's in that chalk bag um as well so definitely worth thinking about having so you definitely want to be able to access some first aid if you're climbing you're off the ground and someone gets cuts their hand or a rock comes out and hits them right so you may abandon them up and maybe you can finish the climb maybe it's not a big deal or maybe you can at least clean them up and then head down that's really key so first aid kit is really key in your backpack right that's just basic and depending on the trip you go on you may need to alter that first aid kit um big syringe actually on longer trips so you can irrigate wounds that could be something that's really important to have um but anyway, first aid kit's pretty fundamental, right? So what else is in our first aid kit? Or, excuse me, in our, in our guide backpacks. So I may, if I'm rock guiding, I may have a little extra equipment. So I may have some extra locking carabiners and an extra blade of ice, for example. I may bring a headlamp or an extra headlamp. Um, you know, for example, for doing a long route or an alpine. And, you know, we, we shake out everybody's stuff ahead of time make sure they have that stuff but every once in a while someone you know they bring their headlamp but doesn't have batteries and you didn't check that right and you go, oh, i should have checked that well maybe you have an extra headlamp so i have that little teeny headlamp in my first aid kit kind of serves as that so we might bring a little extra stuff someone drops their blade of ice on a multi-pitch route so instead of just using monter hitches all day which is fine but can kink up the ripple a bit you got another blade of ice there um so i might do that once again we have to kind of think about the weight a little bit so if it's colder temps, I'm probably going to have some extra clothing, right? So if I'm ice climbing or if I'm doing some general mountaineering, that's probably going to be a hat. That may be some buff or some lightweight balaclava. It's usually a big pair of warm mittens in my um, backpack. In the wintertime, I may, I usually pack some toe heaters and hand heaters in my first aid kit. My pack is part of that as well. So if someone does get hurt, I can throw some of that in their boots. So if we have to hang out for a while, you know, that and we're not moving, they run less of a risk of getting frostbite down there. Um, usually when I'm in the field and we're moving, I try to just deal with 
have people hydrate and stay well fed um, to deal with cold toes or cold fingers and warm them up that way more on a natural level versus relying on heaters but I'll throw some heaters in there Um, you know I might have a repair kit right so if I'm ice climbing I might have a real simple um, toolkit that has the tools needed for the ice axes I'm using and maybe a spare pick especially on a route that's more committing um, and make sure that you know whatever my clients have I may have um, the, you know the tools appropriate to deal with their ice axes I may ask them to bring a spare pick so I don't have to carry it I have a small crampon kit so an extra bale tow bale so if that breaks you have another one on you know a little bit of bailing wire goes a long way if you're dealing with snowshoes or skis you know having some tools to fix those um, you know, and depending on how long your trip is and how remote it is, once again, you may have a pretty big repair kit or you may have a fairly simple repair kit, but having enough stuff to do your job. So that might be if you're skiing, maybe some drill bits and some ratcheting screwdrivers to be able to drill new holes, to remount binding stuff to actually fill holes, maybe some epoxy, you know, a little knife uh, is nice to have regardless of, of what you're doing. So kind of deal with stuff um, that you may need to cut up. That's all really good stuff in your in your kit. So having that repair kit and having that um, first aid kit, those change, but they're super important. You you need to bring those. So if someone gets breaks something in the backcountry, you know, I actually had a last year someone break part of their binding, their rack, their their tech binding. So part of the side plate broke off. So the pins in the back weren't one pin wouldn't lock in because it because the piece broke off the binding so we got their boot into the binding right and then what we did is we we took some ski straps and strapped the boot to the back heel post and then i actually took some bailing wire and actually you know wound the two pins in the back of the binding together so they couldn't spread apart anymore so the essentially the bindings don't have any more release but allow us to allowed us to ski carefully out of the backcountry um and back out to where we could get um, those skis fixed. So that was kind of a cool little fix out there. So repair kit's cool. Extra clothing's cool. Now, what about if we are traveling an avalanche terrain, right? So obviously we have the big three. We have to have our beacons, right? So maybe some extra batteries might be a good call. So even though we check batteries beforehand, um, you know, sometimes it's nice to have an extra extra batteries. If I'm going on a longer trip, um, I'll throw sometimes an extra beacon in my pack just to make sure if someone's beacon gets lost or broken that I have one ready to go there or at least in my car. So once again, I have that ready to go. Um, I'm going to have a shovel and a probe, right? Just like all my clients will have shovels and probes. Now, one thing that's important is if you're going to go into the backcountry and you're going to bring tools that you're going to use for rescue, Make those tools actually durable enough to be useful, right? So if you bring an ultralight shovel and an ultralight probe, more likely than not, they're just going to break. So now you just have useless tools. So unfortunately, that means we have to carry heavier tools, right? So a really pretty robust probe, a really robust shovel, so we can actually do our job. So if we need to dig somebody out of avalanche debris, we have a shovel that can handle it. If we need to dig in because now a storm approached and we can't get back down to our our camp or wherever we're staying and we have to bivy out, I have something that can kind of beat through, um, you know, hard snow and build a snow shelter. You know, I'll bring a snow saw a lot, not necessarily to always cut blocks for doing um, compression tests and so on and so forth. Um, 
on snow walls, but I might bring a snow saw so if someone gets wrapped up in the trees, you know, tree skiing, then I might have to cut them out. Or I might have to cut some branches off to make a shelter or to make a fire, right? So oftentimes I'll bring a snow saw for that, one that can actually cut wood, not one that's just designed just for snow. So it's kind of multi-purpose, which is really nice. You know, you might want to bring a little tuning kit. So that could be some files that could do a rough tune on ski edges. That could also do a tune up on crampons and ice axes, right? So having a small bastard file is pretty useful at times for that. So it's really important to know what's in your pack, right? As a guide. Now, what else do we need to have in there? So that's all kind of stuff to deal with problems like fixing things, helping people if they get hurt, maybe digging somebody out, maybe digging in. So in a winter environment, that might also be a rescue tarp or a bivy sack, right? A bivy sack that's big enough for two people if you're in a group of two, but if you are in a larger group, maybe a, a, some kind of guide tarp, which you can actually build a snow shelter and get four or five people in, kind of tight, but you can do it. Um, so that's kind of important, right? Because if you get hurt or something happens way out there and you're in the winter environment and then you can't get back down and you need to hang out for a while, you need to figure out some sort of shelter, um, to deal with kind of keeping people alive. Um, you might also think about having a stove, right? So a small stove like a wind burner um, or a reactor, right? Now, you could have a super lightweight pocket rocket, some really lightweight stove. But once again, think about when things usually go wrong, the weather's usually not great. So if you have some super lightweight stove, well, what's going to be the problem with that? If it's super windy out, it's not going to be very efficient at doing its job because the wind is going to blow all the heat away and it's going to blow the stove out. So having a stove that's a little bit more robust, like a wind burner, an MSR wind burner or a reactor, which actually can take being in the wind. So it's a little heavier package, but, you know, the stove fits inside the the pot when the, and the canister fits inside the pot. Like that might be a better call because it'll be actually more useful for you in that emergency situation. So having the ability to create hot water or make water is key. If you don't go that route, maybe just going out for a day of ice guiding and you're not going, you're going in the front country, maybe a thermos, right? Maybe that thermos has some, something like powdered apple cider in there. So you get a little more, um, you know, quick carbs for people, right? Having some extra snacks, like some goo packets, once again, so people can get some quick sugars in their body, right? That's kind of key in your pack as well. So a lot of stuff goes in our pack, right? And it doesn't, we don't always want it to be super lightweight. We'd like it to be as lightweight as possible, but it's not always possible. Also, we might need to carry a pack that's large enough to accommodate that stuff. So I oftentimes see guides in a winter environment who are going into some places that can be very harsh, have really small guide packs. And I'm like, what's in there? I might even carry a sleeping bag, right, in the right winter environments. You know, because if someone gets hurt, even a, even a twisted ankle in some places can be a super big deal. And that's not necessarily a hard injury to get. So if someone has to hang out and they can't move, you know, having that tarp, having the ability to make hot water, having the ability to give them some more um, sugar, right, and food, having the ability to give them some more clothing, having the ability to keep them in um, a burrito wrap, right, um, is pretty key. Also, if you're skiing, a sled, right, a rescue sled. And there are a lot of different types of them out there. I'm kind of partial to the Eskimo ones. You just kind of slide the skis in the slots, put them in the inside, maybe with a sleeping bag, wrap them up and just tow them out. I've also carried those on more on mountaineering trips because once again, it's like I could actually tow somebody off certain peaks if I had to with a rescue sled versus using just a sill tarp, right? And they're all wrapped into this burrito wrap. 
Also, what goes with that is you may need a small section of rope. You know, when I go ski touring and ski guiding, I always have like 20 meters of six mil high strength cord with me and a couple locking carabiners, a few locking carabiners, and then a double length runner. So I can make an impromptu harness. I can do a lowering system, um, short distances. If I'm going to go someplace where maybe the ski runs more significant, more mountainous, and I need, I might want a, a little longer rope. I'll bring maybe like a 40 meter rope. Right? You could also use that to repel into things. Like Once again, it's a really lightweight, 6 mil high um, tenacity cord. Um, and then ha- I might have the tools for that, so maybe a microwave um, or some carabiners to deal with that. Maybe a small press-it cord that's designed to actually grip that type of rope. Um, so I can do some kind of lowering systems or repels if I need to with folks. So that's part of that kit. You can't just have the sled, right? You need to have the other pieces of that sled. And depending on what sled you have, if you have the kind of sled that... Um, you know, has the um, tip and tail attachments and you essentially kind of make it out of tubing, right? You might need to bring some more cordelette and, and straps, um, ski straps to actually make the sled rigid enough to not um, to actually haul somebody out versus the Eskimo sleds. You can just kind of throw everybody in them and you don't need all that other stuff because it's just a sack, essentially. It doesn't glide as well over the snow. Easier to use, um, I think, um, and also becomes a soft litter. So that's also really important. So you need to have those tools with you. Um, so you can see the pack just keeps getting heavier and heavier, heavier and heavier. Maybe you want to have an extra pair of goggles or sunglasses, right? Someone breaks their goggles or sunglasses on a glacier and they don't have an extra pair, you know, that's a big deal. Now, once again, some of this stuff are things that you can tell like, hey, tell your clients, like, hey, I want you to bring this, right? Let me see your extra sun- goggles. So maybe you have goggles and sunglasses, right? So if you break your sunglasses, you still have goggles to fall back on, right? So it doesn't mean you have to carry everything, but you should, you know, at least inform them to carry something. If not, you're going to carry it, right? Now, that's a lot of stuff, right? But also, what's also important in our guide pack, right? So depending on the type of guiding you're doing, if you're just doing daily rock guiding, you know, single pitch terrain or, or local small multi-pitch terrain, maybe having a guide notebook's not that important. But when we start doing things that are more remote, for sure, multi-days, having a guide notebook so we can write down pertinent things. So that might be all of our contact information and our client's contact information, having any pertinent medical conditions that they have written in there. So you're not actually going to have all the medical forms with you. Um, so having that stuff with you, um, you may give them a card that has pertinent emergency contact phone numbers for your company. So if you get hurt, they have somebody to call, right? You want to have your navigation tools and all your your mapping type stuff in there. So maybe your paper maps, your compass, right? Maybe it's um, your tour plan, notebook um maybe it's something to do record snow pit evaluations right so all those kits so maybe it's your snow science kit that might need to be in your guide pack and with all that navigation stuff we also want to couple that with communication right so if we have overlapping forms of navigation we want to have overlapping forms of communication right so we need to have a cell phone right if we're going to a place that doesn't have cell service maybe a vhf radio right and if, know how to use it and know what the local frequencies may be, that may be pertinent to you are. Maybe that means having some satellite communications, so some sort of in-reach or spot device. Maybe that means actually having a sat phone, right? So you need to have overlapping levels of communication, especially as you get further and further out away from um, the front country. So, 
it's kind of standard practice now that if you don't have cell service, that you have some other way of communicating, which means sat service, most likely. Radios are great, but a lot of people don't know how to use them very well. Um, and they can often be, times be tricky in mountainous environments. But if you know how to use VHF radios and have a ham license, it's worth getting one. It's not hard to get, but you learn a lot about it. Um, they can be a really powerful tool, for sure. And certainly they can be a powerful tool in terms of calling out to somebody else, but also just within your group, right? Communicating within your group is really key. So those are things that are going to be really important for you to have in your guide pack. So you can see already that our guide packs can have a lot of stuff in there. Let's, we weren't even talking about our own personal stuff that need, for what we need to keep ourselves warm and comfortable and safe and all the climbing gear, or our own personal ski gear right, that we may need to have. So there's a lot of things in there that you need to think about. So next time you go out, think about what you're doing, where you're going, how long you're going for, what your clientele are, you know, their experience level. Think about the hazards you may encounter and then plan accordingly. Pack the stuff you need, right? And then if there are some things that you can have your clients bring, like oftentimes on a longer trip, I'm like, hey, if you've got a little blister kit that works really well for you or a little small first aid kit with things that you really like, why don't you bring that? That will help augment the things I bring. But if you have your own personal stuff, you bring that. That way you can give yourself ibuprofen and that way I don't have to deal with that. You know, great. Um, so, but once again, you are the risk mitigator. So your job is to to be able to deal with situations as they come up. So that means having the tools for the job. So unfortunately, that means heavier packs for us. But once again, think about it next time you go out and um, you know really um, spend some time and some money to get some good kits set up. I have a lot of kits that are compartmentalized where I have here's my standard first aid kit. And then if I grab this other bag, it has more of my extended first aid kit, you know, so I don't always have to unpack my first aid kit and then repack it with more stuff. I just grab the basic one and I grab this extra auxiliary bag that goes in here. You know, here's my normal um, repair kit and here's my auxiliary repair kit that has more stuff. Same thing with blister care. So I can kind of like, you know, have all these little customized um, system bags that kind of add or subtract depending on how long or what the, the, um, the conditions that I'm in are and the type of guiding I'm doing. So think about it. It's super important. Um, you don't want to be in a situation where something happens and you don't have the tools to fix it. Um, but at the same time, if you're training to do stuff, right, and this is maybe more relevant in the medical stuff or the avalanche rescue stuff or the you know technical rescue stuff, like don't train with tools that you're not going to carry. Right. So if you got some cool tool that works really well to do a certain um, rescue thing, right, but you never carry it because it's too heavy and too clunky, well, then don't train with it. So train with the tools that you're going to carry and learn how to use them really well. So think about it next time you go out there.